everybody, this is Presto. Purple message. And you have a spoon. And you are listening to episode number 40 of the Nintendads podcast. Today's episode is, we're talking about you filthy casuals. No, we're, we're talking about the role of casual games and casual gamers in the video game industry. Are they good? Are they making good old-fashioned games terrible for everyone? Uh, or they are an important part to the growth and uh, livelihood of this industry we all love? Hmm. I'm not sure, but I'm sure you're going to hear plenty we from, have opinions. for both sides. Yes, I will put a disclaimer. Our, our personal views on this may be a bit exaggerated for the sake of presenting a full argument. Yes. On both sides. I'll just say that. I'll just put that out there. Your, your mileage may vary. Um, before <laughs> we get into that, we're going to talk some news. Um, the the so. main news is Kazuya, uh, one of the fighters, one of the main characters from the Tekken series, got added to Smash as DLC. By the time you guys are listening to this, he will be out and everybody will be crying about how broken he is and how he needs to be nerfed into the dirt. He releases in about 30 minutes from when we're recording this, um, and we're going to go stream Smash, as painful as that's going to be, um, right after we record this. He's a combo-heavy character. He looks ridiculous. He actually might be the Bayonetta of Smash Ultimate, meaning once he gets you in a combo, you're just Tostitos, and it's going to be terrible for everyone. Um, other news, Mario Golf is out, the new Mario Golf for Switch. I wish, I wish I could try this game. Corporal looks disgusted about it, though. I'm, I'm realizing that I did purchase Ultimate Fighter Pass Volume 2. All right, Kazuya, it's gonna happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what what do you think about Mario Golf, looking at it? from afar I'm cu- I'm mildly I was, curious I would love to try it but I'm, there's no way I'm buying it I was 12 I think I was 12 when my parents bought their first home computer it was a gateway it came in a cow printed box oh hell yeah I helped Those them unpack it. The stores I... were ugly as sin, but yes, <laughs> nostalgia. The cow and everything, yep. So we assembled the computer, and it came with, like, a bunch of free things that games you can play on the computer. One of those free games was a first-person shooter, which was, at that time, revolutionary, but it was Nerf. It was branded as Nerf. And yeah, okay. you got to shock the gun and shoot the gun watch the nerf bullet go out and it was an online game but it was crappy online i know i know what game you're talking about it was very crappy (laughs) i think i tried to get you to play it with me i know and i was like i'll just shoot you in the head with a regular nerf gun it's so much (laughs) easier and the graphics are better while it was fun and while there was some cool aspect of it because there was nerf involved it was still there <laughs> like I played it my point of my story is like 
what you talk about uh we sports we tennis like we boxing we running well like, the we we sports versus mario sports are very different they are they are but like that whole genre of gaming and and whatnot i feel the very same way about that nerf shooter mm-hmm. like it's fun it's kind of quirky and it has entertaining the name that i care about of the character of the company but yeah but there's a brand behind it that's like cool but that's also like you go to the grocery store and you pick up halo master chief cheerios wait they, like, make, they make master chief cheerios are you serious no <laughs> they should because it helps your heart strong you know what i oh man you know what <laughs> if they did make master chief cheerios that would actually make sense you know why because you'd be eating them, and you'd look down, and you'd see, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you teed that up. You teed that up for me perfectly. We didn't even plan that one ahead, guys. Look, we made a real bad joke in real time. Anyway, it looks fun. It looks got. It looks like it's got some like interesting rpg customization elements and like stuff with the like special party modes that i would play it if i was at somebody else's house and we were having a couple beers and they had it and they're like you want to fuck around to find out i'd be like yeah i do actually yeah um i would play it i would totally play it but i I don't know if i'd spend yeah this is one to rent from your local library for sure yeah. If your library is cool and and the, blows yeah, money, if, blows their precious budget on Mario sports games. And if um, they do, it's available because nobody now, else got it. I I did not think I would ever be talking about this on the show again, but I have to. So <laughs> Nintendo posted a Splatoon 2 Splatter Ladder, which is a a, a tournament series of a bunch of different things like esports style stuff for Splatoon 2 that they're coming out with um, in the next month in July. The last the last attempt and big Splatoon series that Nintendo was involved in was the whole free melee thing, hashtag free melee, um, where they canceled the finals because all the top teams had Smash Brothers references to reference the fact that Nintendo had unfairly put the kibosh on a Melee tournament. And to censor and to silence those top Splatoon teams, Nintendo pulled the plug on live-streaming the event. So that was the last bit of Splatoon esports competition that we heard of. Then we had Nintendo announced Splatoon 3, right? Then we had E3, which didn't mention Splatoon in any way, shape, or form. And now we have a competitive thing for Splatoon 2, which I can only interpret as pre-marketing for Splatoon 3. Because yes. why in the world, after, after there's no more support for Splatoon 2, there's no more Splatfest, they don't mention it, they pulled the plug on the last thing... The only reason they would be doing a Splatoon 2 tournament is to start to ramp people up for Splatoon 3 weeks after not mentioning either of the Splatoon games at E3. I got a problem with it, Nintendo. I got a problem with it. You need to you check. and I have discussed you and you I have discussed E3 off camera 
we both strongly feel that the way Nintendo presented things at E3, their biggest hitter in their E3 showcase was Legend of Zelda and the Metro. Metroid. Metroid. <laughs> we very easily could have had them give us Splatoon news during E3. But instead, they gave it to us during that treehouse the month or two prior. Yes. They should have saved E3, or they should have saved, saved Splatoon 3 for E3. I agree, and 3. So, I, because of that, like, okay, their treehouses have been historically known to be bland. Like, there's some good information, but they're not groundbreaking. They should have saved Splatoon 3 for E3 and they could have left the treehouse being bland like historically they've always done because of this I am getting this like weird feeling that they may not fully believe in their Splatoon 3 platform or it's not Nearly it's not, as close it's not to ready. ready. Yeah, it's not ready yeah. in terms of development where it should be because they said early no. 2022 and it's almost July. Probably will be July by the time this episode releases. And that's like, like they need to be wrapping up. Yeah. <laughs> if they're going for early 2022 to do tests and marketing and make sure their servers don't have a hot mess, which, ah, I didn't think about this until just now. I wonder if Splatoon 2 will be the first first-party Nintendo online multiplayer game to use the new multiplayer servers. Yeah. Mario Golf might use it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I doubt it, though. Because the only game we absolutely know that was using it was uh, Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. Rise, which works really well. Which works um, great, yeah. Yeah. So... Shout out to our Monster Hunter Rise community, people who love us. We should play more. Yeah, we should. We need to play Valtrex. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a big a big side eye to Nintendo for that, and a big old hashtag free melee. Mm. Um, the la the last thing in news is the action RPG from Wizards of the Coast, Magic Legends, uh, is canceled. It but wasn't. It wasn't. So. It was in closed beta, and I played the closed beta, and it was real rough. And then it came out into open beta, and I played like an hour of it. I even streamed it. Actually, you can go back and watch the vod. Um, and I was like, ah, the combat is fun. The combat. They have a good idea, but then everything else is kind of a mess. And it went from closed beta to open beta to now it's dead in the water. Canceled. They're refunding everybody's microtransactions. It's not even going to make it to launch. I've never seen that happen before. Uh, we've seen it happen a bunch of times. We've never seen it happen so publicly. I've never, I've never heard of a game going through beta and then not making it out of beta into launch. There's I've, several games that we've we've uh, we've covered the. Uh, wow, I sound like a broken record. We've covered the uh, the Halo multiplayer game that was originally in beta for Russia, never released, but now it's available on the internet because somebody like leaked it. Oh, oh yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, the, there's... the DS one or whatever. 
Yeah, but there are some other games that were like that, that were created in beta, they went to launch, and they realized they just didn't have the server capacity nor the funds to fix what they but, thought they needed. But there's a difference between the beta goes rough and then they release it and it fails at release or it fails at launch. This one is like, we're, we're still like... In development. A couple months out from launch. And they're like, sorry. They realize that there's too much time and effort into this project that they are not going to see the return on. This is the second... The second swing and uh, I mean this is the big this is the big yeah. swing and the miss. But Wizards of the Coast also did um, the new Dungeons and Dragons, or at least co-developed the Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance game that just came out, which I think like has the lowest score Two, on meta. Two point six meta score. I don't know what it is on Metascore, but it's I looked it up bad. on Xbox Marketplace. Xbox Marketplace has it at 2.6. Metacritic, com- Metascore. The comments, <laughs> the comments in the scores are like, worst game ever. Me and Little Red sat on the couch Sunday morning just laughing at the absolute bashing. Like, there's 21 stars, and then there's one five-star. And then there's another 21 stars, and then there's one one five star. Like, they're so drastic. I played played it, and it is my type of game. It's like an action game, fantasy, RPG elements, looter elements, like all that. And I didn't even get... I don't even think I made it halfway through one mission. And I was like, "Maybe maybe I'll come back to this later. Oops, I uninstalled it's, it. I needed the hard it's drive. It's free on Xbox Games Pass, so I figured I, I would try it. But then you said it was so bad I didn't even bother. It's not even worth the hard drive space. Uh, <laughs> lastly, what are we playing, Corporal? What Are there any games in this sea of gross, casual, half-thought-out games? Are there any? Are there any games that are just stealing your attention lately? Would you say... That there's anything stealing your attention? <laughs> oh. Okay. Is that a dating sim? That you're... <laughs> it's my it's my pirate flag. Yeah. Sea of <laughs> Sea of Thieves. Y'all. Sea of Thieves. I don't think we've, we've been... ever been so late to discover a good game. But yeah, Sea of Thieves. We have Game Pass. Well, in all fairness. All fairness, I've like retro went back and looked at a bunch of reviews when Sea of Thieves came out. Like it was okay, but a lot of the things that you and I enjoy about the game today are things that came out in post releases later for free. No Man's Sky type situation. Yeah, I I don't think it's nearly as bad. No Man's Sky was like a cluster. I don't think this was nearly as bad, but I I think that with every subsequent release. And from what I've read, the developers have no reason to stop. They're going to keep moving forward with new content. Yeah. Heck, they just partnered with Disney, so they've got faith in this product and project. And I think it's going to it's going to go forward pretty well. I'm enjoying it. I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm enjoying, enjoying it too much. It. It's fun. It's very fun. It's not so fun, Mr. Chewy. I swear, if you're out there, Mr. Chewy. I was just trying to look at a pupper. There was no reason for you to sink me and my ship. 
If I find you out in the open seas, I'm coming for you. Arr! See, this is why I love. This is why I love it. <laughs> the Sea of Thieves. What'd you say? You just heard a, a friend sound? Oh, hello there. Boom, dead. It was in like a an Australian Scottishy kind of accent, but it was like, oh, hello. And then all of a sudden, I like turned around. There was a shotgun. Boom, right to the face. You see my character go down on its knees, and then you see another guy, a shirtless guy with big muscles named Mr. Chewy, jump onto my ship, lay down a bomb, jump off, and blow the mass up, and just oh watch my, my ship sink. I was like, you yeah. got to be kidding me. Sea of Thieves me. is fun. It's fun. Anyway, so that's our little intro. Now we're going to talk about casual gamers. You filthy casual animal. Gamers. Are casual gamers good, or are they a plague upon? So you filthy casuals think you can walk up to our podcast and talk about gaming to us? Now, uh, so we're you say about... you say filthy, and in any context you say filthy, I immediately revert back to Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin going, uh, "You filthy animals!" The uh, the scene Keep from the movie. The change, you filthy yes, animal. Yes. <laughs> Before before we go on this journey together, let's set some some initial definitions, some initial assumptions or agreements upon what exactly is casual. Because what some oh, people no. consider casual, other people might not consider okay. casual. I don't know if there's going to be an agreement here because I have a, a Nick Yeti hot take I want to oh, give. Oh Jesus! But um, I'll let you start. Okay, so according to the wise words of Wikipedia, at least. A casual game. So a casual game is a game that is targeted at a wide mass market audience as opposed to a hardcore game, which is a game targeted more at a niche audience of hobbyist gamers. So basically, casual games are designed to appeal to as many people as possible. Like, last common denominator. Uh, that's kind of a negative connotation. But casual games are made specifically. Like, Minecraft is not a casual game. It was made, it had a mass appeal just because it was innovative. But it wasn't designed specifically to appeal to the masses. Games like, uh, like, what's that, what's that gem game or the the game everybody's played on their iphone that's like puzzle oh oh bejeweled or Be candy crush bejeweled and candy crush are perfect examples of casual games that just happen to be on mobile i'm sure somebody will have something to say about that in the near future um but yes yeah, so casual gamers are people who identify themselves as casual who mostly play casual games and this is this is way higher than i thought in doing the little bit of research we did for this episode 56.6 percent so the majority of people who identify themselves as gamers 56.6 percent of gamers identify as casual gamers meaning they're mostly playing casual games 22 percent 22.3 percent identify themselves as novice gamers so not a lot of confidence or just kind of like a little a little little notch above casual they're novice gamers so they're new 
getting into games or they're just not very good or yeah, I would put novice below casual below casual yeah you have novice and then you have casual gamers no novice novice is like I think above because like people who play people who are just getting started into playing like call of duty call of well call of duty is a bad example but I, w I would put novice as I think casual is the dead bottom tier and then novice oh, no. is no no okay okay All right, we'll get there <laughs> but then besides so 20 56% are casual 22% are novice and then there's a mix of the rest that identify themselves as aspiring professionals or expert gamers what would you identify yourself as corporal for the sake of this argument I am taking the strong stance that I am a casual gamer. Now, I have evidence to say that I am not a hardcore gamer, but I think that most people would agree that I'm kind of a hardcore gamer. With that being said, I'm taking the stance as a casual gamer, and I'm going to define casual versus hardcore by the simple definition of it is not indicative by based of time but is based off of mindset and goal setting hmm. so you want to be a hardcore gamer you're dedicated to the grind to become better you're dedicated to failing over and over and over and over again for the sole purpose of fine-tuning your skill set your communication skills or your ability to overcome the challenge in front of you until you reach said goal. Whereas a casual gamer is sitting down to play casually for the moment, but does not want to invest that much effort. So you're not saying time, it's more of an time. effort and intention versus... Versus time. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. That's why okay. I said I think you and I are going to take this argument. It's going to be a twist. Yeah. So you don't care how when in when Halo Infinite comes out, you're just going to do it for fun. You don't care how good you are at Halo. You're not going to look oh. up stats on weapons and try to improve. No. You're not going I to look not. up the meta of the current no. press grenades to use. No. Then I'm, I'm going to call you a liar gamer because that's just <laughs> not true. I I am not going to look up those stats. And I'll tell you why. The same reason why I don't get into Super Smash the way you do. That much detail into a game is what I call sweaty. So how many videos did you watch on how to get better at Sea of Thieves? Twelve. <laughs> Times ten. <laughs> if you're so watching videos on what to do and how to improve... I would venture to say that that, by definition, makes you not casual. Because you're not just playing to have fun, you're playing to improve. Even if your definition of fun is improving, that still identifies you outside of the realm of casual gamer. So this is why I made the statement that although I probably am a hardcore gamer, I am taking the stance of casual. Now... I think what I, I don't on my screen you're over here if that's if that's true on my screen you're you're right there okay so you're you're over here so in my view what you do 
for Super Smash is sweaty. I don't do it for Super Smash no more because that online game is trash, and I ain't trying to pick through the trash for frame data. No but more. like your frame data, your your milliseconds per punch, and like you talk about, like because you can go. I've watched videos for Sea of Thieves. It was like the sniper when first released did fifty-seven point three percent damage. It has been nerfed now to I uh, I think it was thirty-two point four percent damage. Which, that's a huge drop, especially for a sniper. Like, whoever made that decision, screw you, bro. But, I don't give two craps about the percentage rate. I just want to shoot and kill. Not real things. Just throw that out there. So, but, I, I mean, it's really interesting because when I... When I was looking into this and kind of wrapping my head around what a casual gamer is... To me, it was people who don't have a very high time commitment and people who just play like like Bejeweled or Candy Crush that's just like so, something like that. I think your I, point is very interesting. Your point is fascinating to me that you define it as intention, intention. not time. So I'm going to take this a step further, and this is where I say... I'm gonna have a hot. Uh, Hold on, Nick. let me buckle up. Let me buckle up for <laughs> Corporal's wild ride here. This is where I'm gonna put on the Nick the Nick Yeti suit. Are you ready for this? Oh no, I'm afraid. If you're sitting on a toilet for a couple hours a day playing Candy Crush and you call yourself a gamer, flush yourself because you're not one. So, are you saying fifty six? Well, that's not that's, that's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, I read that same statistic. So here's here's my take. If you do not do not own and or play your console, do not play on PC, do not play on Xbox, do not play a Nintendo Switch, do not play on an actual console for the purpose of gaming and your sole video game experience is going to be mobile games. Now, in recent years, we have to draw a line there because there has been streaming console games to your phone as a controller. There's a gray that area doesn't, there. Yeah, let's ignore that. Let's, let's ignore, ignore that. streaming. But if you're solely playing Bejeweled, Candy Crush, and like... I, I don't want to say PUBG because that's kind of a bad example because I know that's probably but where mobile you're going to A lot of mobile games that Fortnite's... Fortnite, Fortnite is on mobile... Fortnite and PUBG are both mobile that are now even cross-platform play. Mm -hmm. So, like, so what is that? No... Where is that? That's a gray area. That's a gray area for me. Okay, it's so but okay, so if your main, you're saying if your main platform of gaming is mobile, what? Then you do not qualify in my eyes as an actual gamer. So you're saying people who are primarily mobile gamers don't even make it to casual gamers. They're just not correct. Correct, because that's not gaming. Oh, ah, uh, nah, uh. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with that. And I have some statistics. Uh, statistics. Um, mobile no, I, gaming. I will, hold okay, on. But... So, mobile gaming. Yet again, I'm still classifying like Bejeweled, Candy Crush, uh. The flow game where you have to make water connect to one tube to the other. Like, yes, they are games, but 
and they fall under the umbrella of the gaming industry. I'm not trying to take that away, but when you talk about are you a gamer, that's a stereotype. That's a badge that you're carrying. I don't think the investment of your time or your life into a game like that really, really counts. Yeah, I, I see you. I see you. <laughs> but, but I will say there's a lot of gray area there. In my opinion, if I'm a casual gamer, which I've taken the stance of, yes, I'm a casual gamer, I will play mobile games, maybe stream ga console games to my phone, but most of my gameplay happens on a couch or a desk at a keyboard. Okay. Two, uh, um, maybe not two, a couple things. So, there are people, there are, I even know some of, I know of, not don't know them, but I know of them. So, there are people who play things like, uh, I think it's Call of Duty has a mobile game called Warzone sure. Mobile. Um, League of Legends Wild Rift is a dedicated MOBA just for mobile. Um, there's a little game called Pokemon Unite that is going to be co-launched as a 3v3 PvP MOBA that's going to be on Switch and on mobile, and I'm going to guess that it's probably going to have more players on mobile. There's a competitive MOBA game called Arena of Valor, which is the one of the most popular games in China that has its own esports things. So I would counterpoint that there can even be hardcore gamers. Yes, that and are only I, on mobile. We we can we can touch on this because it's for me it's at the very bottom of the show notes that I added. Pro, pro we go back to our argument from a previous episode. Professional gamers. And the esports realm, I think, has fractured what my definition is of the gaming For community. For yeah. Yes, because of that. So, are we saying that esports and the professionals who are in those realms are the poison pill in the water of what I consider a gamer, and therefore it has to be held separately? Or are we now just going to include them? Well, they, yeah, you're, like they're right. They can be because the average mobile gamer does not play like that. But here's another fact that I just thought of. The most popular streamed games on Facebook Gaming, the platform that we call home for streaming, the most popular games traditionally have been mobile games. And honestly, on when Facebook we... Very gaming. When we very first started doing the Nintendads, before it was the Nintendad, we had looked at what, where we wanted to take this this adventure and what route we wanted to go on. And one of the things that I came across, and I brought to you, to you, Presto, uh, was that we could do mobile gaming because it's a niche in a niche in itself, and therefore it would narrow our field. And there is. A lot of people who do really well at doing those types of streams. Ah, to me, that's still not. I, I will admit, I will admit, I may be birthed into the millennial generation, but I am an old fart when it comes to mindsets. That's I true. don't, I don't <laughs> see that as actual gamers. You need to have that Sega Genesis controller in hand. For you to be a gamer, uh, 
you need to be locked down and wired. I'm sorry. I just don't I don't see it. What about people who have a Switch Lite? Uh, so Switch Switch Lite, th- that's a console. Yeah, that's a console. That's a console. Now, I so we say mobile gaming. In today's world, the hardware and uh, technology that's available in a phone is in many ways better than what's in a 3DS. It's pretty much a switch. The current the current gen phones are the same hardware capability as the switch. Basically, they're not optimized for gaming, so they can't play Breath of the Wild. But fundamentally, hardware wise, they are the same, if not better, by now. Probably better than so, the base switch. The water is muddled, muddied because 3DSs are mobile. 3DSs can be run around. 3DSs are a basic. The 3DS flat. is a console, so that Correct. would be yeah. See, I that, I still think Razer uh, Razer makes a phone, a gaming phone. <laughs> Are you saying people who play games on their gaming phone aren't gamers? That doesn't even make sense grammatically. Even my name is Jeff. He plays a lot of old school retro games on his phone. Is he a gamer? He owns a PlayStation Five and if he didn't own the PlayStation, all right, all right. <laughs> he grinds the heck out of Final Fantasy. Yes, so, he's a gamer. A couple, a couple more notes on mobile gaming, which is now this mobile gaming episode. No, mobile gaming. It's not, not mobile allowed. gaming makes up forty nine percent of the total gaming market. Yeah, let me say that again. Mobile gaming is half of the gaming industry. How are you going to tell me that people who play games on phones aren't gamers? That's half. If they play other games... Now, hold on. They are not saying... They're they're not showing crossover. They are not saying No, that yeah, they're the, not showing crossover. They're not so crossover, right. a good portion of those people also play console. Uh, what they but are, what portion? I would bet it's less than half of that 49%. Oh, most certainly. Most certainly. My point is what they're trying to say is that 49% or whatever of games that are in the gaming industry are being made for mobile. That I agree to. Well, no, that's... So, that's not... Th- so, this statistic is 49% of the total market meaning the all the dollars associated with the gaming industry so in in 2020 the gaming the okay. gaming world you just, you just dropped your entire argument right there no when you brought true. when you brought in dollars dollars are the, important to gaming the mobile market is primarily microtransactions. Now, we can make an argument that console games are starting to bring that in, and yes, that's a lion's share of how they're making their money, but it is a known fact that the mobile market is based off of microtransactions. Candy Crush, I'm going to spend an extra 99 cents so we get some extra lives. Yeah, but Candy Crush is free. Super Mario Golf is $60. I would say that's not... No, most people don't spend sixty dollars in microtransactions on mobile games. I don't have any in data course, to back that up, but I'm going to have to assume. I I would make the argument that in the course of the lifespan of that person playing a game, yes, they do. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. We can look it up. We can look it yeah. up after. But I don't think. I think 
it's just the pure volume because it's 56 50, well no that's a di that was casual gamers uh i need i guess i need to look up how many people are mobile i don't even know if that exists i wonder if you can find out how many people are mobile gamers exclusively that's what that's that's yes but mobile gaming as a platform so if you go nintendo switch playstation xbox uh pc mobile mobile on its own as a platform makes up 86.3 billion dollars for Which 2020 we make the argument we've made the argument before as nerds we're proud of what we have our fandom has turned into as a as a stereotype we have been elevated by things like Marvel and video games becoming more mainstream. Oh, yeah. Geek, and geek more... is cool now. Gaming is acceptable yeah. now. We've talked about gaming coming into the mainstream. And we've talked about how the gaming industry as a whole, all of it combined, is worth more than Hollywood. So. Sorry, boomers. <laughs> <laughs> so. With that much money in our industry, I feel like Half mobile gaming, it's, that's just disgusting. I now, let's think forget, that's... you added this stat to the thing. The leading country, or maybe you didn't, but I saw it in one of the things you yeah. The leading country for the mobile revenue is China, China specifically, Asia as a region, but China specifically as mobile yeah. games. Thank you, Tencent Gaming, for all your Tencent. <laughs> um, so, anyway. There was a South Park episode that covered this very topic when we talk really? about mobile games. Yes. Yes. I haven't watched South Park really in years, so I probably missed it. Was it South Park? Yeah, I think it was South Park. And they, they drew up... Yeah, it was South Park. They even turned it into a mobile game. They turned that episode into <laughs> a mobile game. That's the most game. South Park thing ever. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they most it's certainly so did. so meta. <laughs> but they talk about how mobile games and the way they're designed and the way that they're like visualized is to help trigger like mental synapses in order to make it oh, you crack and hooked. Yes, yes, and yes. They I... talk about how that triggers the buy factor and because it's small little amounts like 99 cents or 50 cents like it makes it so much easier to buy into and that that is why the mobile industry makes so much money and that particular episode even like whiteboarded the whole like pyramid scheme to oh it i can i i could we could do a whole episode on how disgusting and predatory microtransaction on mobile gaming is a hundred percent i am not saying that it's a good thing or that that's I'm excited why about it i'm just fighting for mobile gamers <laughs> to have gamers in their title no. that's no. what i if anything they're crack whores <laughs> they're addicts they're, they're addicts. addicts not they're gamers. mobile addicts exactly so if we're going to make a definition, let's make definition for the sake of the argument. Mobile, you're there. I don't know what you are. He thinks that so, you're something, but I don't know so what wait, you are. So wait, so wait. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that a majority of people who define themselves as casual gamers are mobile gamers, either by majority or by exclusively playing on mobile? 
I think most, if if 56% of people identify themselves as casual gamers, I bet the majority of that 56% are mobile exclusive. If you are mobile exclusive, going back to my statement, I don't know if you're a true gamer. If you if you play majority on your phone, but you also play on console, fine, you're a gamer. But if you've never picked up a controller, or you've never sat down to, at a computer to play games, and that's not how you play games... Now, I would even go take a step further for all of you Farmvillers who play Farmville on your computer. Are you a gamer? I would say yes. It's a game. It's a game. You are discriminating by platform. I am. I am. So that's not right. That there are people who say, "Oh, you have a Nintendo Switch. You're not a gamer. You have to have PC or Xbox or PlayStation to be a gamer. If you just play Mario Kart, you're not a real gamer." There's see a lot of people. A lot of people would even take this a step higher and go. That 56% of people who identify themselves as casual gamers, they're not even gamers. So if you I, only... watched, I watched a video who made that very argument. Preparing for this episode, I had done research and I had watched a video that made that very argument. And later he then argued against himself because he didn't really because believe he's it. he's wrong as shit. <laughs> but my, my, my point here is that I think... Playing Bejeweled is your only source of gaming on your phone doesn't count. I think that's gamist. I don't know what the word is. It's like, it's not racist. It's not sexist. It's game. I don't know what it is. But it's something with an ist, which is historically not a good thing to be. So, ist. with that being said, I, I'm going to take the argument as being because right now this entire thing we we just spent like 20 minutes defining because, because casual gamer is sort of synonymous with mobile gamer, but not according to you because you don't think mobile gamers are people or humans. They're subhumans. <laughs> they're sub gamers, not humans. Now, <laughs> now there's also a problem within the industry that casual gamers and hardcore gamers are being blurred. Well, let's hold on. Before we get to that, I do want to talk about casual. This is an interesting thing that's like come up in the last like I've heard about it in like the last six months. But there is a growing difference between. So if, if you if I say Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, Spiritfarer, all of those games, people would be like, oh, those are casual games. But yeah. There is a growing subculture called cozy games. I'm fine with that. Cozy games versus casual games. Are cozy so, games casual games? Or are they different? Yes. I think they're different. I, I, th I think they're different. They are... They are Because you can get sweaty with things like Animal Crossing. But <laughs> I also think... You can think get you... sweaty. <laughs> you can get sweaty being cozy. Yes. I think... <laughs> I, right? I think that 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 the the sweaty term is a floating term that can be used for any game, whether it's casual, whether it's yeah. MOBA, whether it's our mobile, excuse me, or if it's hardcore. 
can be used for anyone or any subgroup of said fandom who gets so into it. And I think that's where people start having some people start having some problems. I got something to say to you, boy. Um, Okay, so so on your on your spectrum, right? You have casual over here just playing for fun, right? And then you have that are not mobile. (laughs) And then you have sweaty, who is somebody who likes the grind, who wants to no 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 casual and plays for fun and enjoyment based off of how your screen is laid out. Casual, hardcore, hardcore. But sweaty. I mean, hardcore and sweaty. You're saying hardcore, no, sweaty. No, no, because no. you can have sweaty casuals. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, yes, it does. So, people who like yourself, when Animal Crossing came out, wanted to know all the stats of how frequently certain fish or certain things would uh, pop in the water that yes. you can catch. Yes. Like, you are getting into Okay, the okay, okay. But so, it's still considered a casual game. So what about people who are playing Candy Crush on their phone for four hours a day trying to get a high score? They are sweaty MOBA gamers. But they're gamers. You said the word gamers. Mobile gamers. They're still... It's that's separate. still... Separate right. classification. Move on. We're agreeing. <laughs> Let us know if you're made it this far into this absolute battle. I think this is the first time because in past episodes, like we've been like, all right, I'm gonna argue that esports people are athletes, and you're gonna argue not. I think this is one of the one of the few times where this is not an exaggerated disagreement. This is like yeah. actual like we don't agree, and we're not <laughs> going to agree, and it's it's fun. But so if you're listening, you're watching. Let us know, would you consider people who primarily play, or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, would you consider who exclusively play games on their phones, are they considered gamers? If you have a guy who is a Pokemon Go hardcore, goes to festivals, has spent $100 million on Poke things, and he plays Pokemon Go competitively and goes to Pokemon Go tournament, and I'm getting out of control here. But if someone plays Pokemon Go and they look at the stats and they play and they're catching them all and they're battling and doing all the stats, you're saying to me that that person doesn't have the right to call themselves a gamer because the game that they love happens to be for mobile. Pokemon Go is is not in my show notes, but it's in my personal notes over here. Pokemon Go is the prime example of breaking this mold and i will argue it's because of its brand name Hmm. there are certain things that because of brand break the mold i don't know that mold's looking like it's got a couple more cracks in it it's got lots of cracks because it's based purely on there's no argument when you play on a cell phone it is a game i just don't i i think that for you to be a gamer there has to be a threshold a classification and i just don't know personally if purely mobile games qualifies if mobile games plus other things yes yes purely mobile games i i don't know let us know we i genuinely want to know what you the listener think 
We, if yeah. you think mobile games, if someone plays exclusively on mobile, should they be considered a gamer? Or do you think that does not meet the threshold of gamer? They're just a mobile er, mobiler, mobileite, mobilizer. Can... <laughs> it's still a game, so you are a gamer. But well, I you're feel saying like... they're distinctly separate. Yes. Okay. I don't. I'm saying yes, as in I understand you. Not that I agree with you, because I don't. <laughs> but let us know what you think, because I really am. I want to like make this a poll, like during. Yeah. The, this is this argument is going to carry over into our live stream in so oh, many boy. ways. <laughs> anyway, so okay, so that whole point aside, that was fun. Crap. Um, <laughs> so now we're gonna quickly talk about the benefits of casual gamers and the drawbacks of casual gamers. Uh, Corporal, do you who's who's talking about the benefits? Do you think there's more benefits or there's more drawbacks to casual gamers? So casual, I, I I'm yet again I'm taking the, the stance of casual gaming is positive and good. Casual minus game, all you mobile mobile people. <laughs> Take that phone and throw it out. Casual games, casual gamers, present a problem casual games casual not casual okay i keep we gotta make sure we define this because even i'm screwing it up casual games or casual gamers casual gamers are causing a issue in the industry casual games are being made to because of mobile gaming to be more inclusive to those mobile players and that is where my argument goes, I'm kicking in the door. Because the mobile players who are so used to having that synapse drug-induced visualization handed to them on their phone are looking for that instant gratification. The gaming industry, the reason why so much money is being put into the gaming industry is focused on mobile gaming. And we've seen it. We have seen it that the mobile game is bleeding into the console and it it's being a game, but it was a mobile game that they just ported to the console. So you're saying that's a bad thing or a good thing? I think it's a bad thing. But, but, it is providing A, casual gamers with more things to do, a larger variety of games, and from those games, creativity is born that can then grow, plant the seed into better games. So it's an entry point, both for game design and casual gamers to get into other games. Correct. Okay, so I do it, agree I'm gonna with be that the, point. I'm going to be the boomer, and the boomer, and the we, we talked about this earlier, about uh, the D.A.R.E. program and drugs back in the day, but the boomer industry marijuana being the gateway drug into all drugs i think mobile gaming is the gateway gaming into other games and just casual games in general exactly i do agree with that i think it is a point it is a it is a good point not quite what you were saying but so the reason part of the reason that i we thought of to create this episode is guilty gear strive has come out i've been playing it i love it it's amazing you should play it um, uh, a fighting game figurehead called Maximilian Dude 
made a video arguing the importance of casual gamers in the fighting game community, which is typically not where you see people being too friendly to casual Fighting gamers. game community is usually the sweaties. Yes, but his point was, if a casual gamer, and this is actually echoing your point about, like, intent, and how people play games. If a casual gamer wants to pick up Guilty Gear Strive for 60 US dollars, they're paying the same amount of money as you, who analyzes frame data, or me that analyzes frame data, and they want to turn it on, they want to pick the character that looks cool, and they just want to mash buttons and have fun. They don't care about their win-loss, they don't care about their rank, they don't care about learning combos or matchups or anything. They just want to play it for maybe a couple hours a week, maybe a little bit after they get home from work and they want to go online, they want to mash, they want to play, you know, the bottom the bottom of ranked against other people who are doing the same thing just for pure enjoyment, that that not only is fine, that's okay, and that, that shouldn't be criticized, but that's good because a staggering amount of people who play the game and the overwhelming majority of reason of of sales for a game are casual gamers. Even in the most extreme example of fighting games, that's typically known for being very hard to get into. Very it's a niche within a niche. Yeah, the average casual gamer stays the hell away from fighting games. Um, Unless you're like a uh, either a sweaty for fighting games, or you've got some nostalgia kick for like old X Mortal Kombat. Yeah, games like Street want... Fighter or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but. His, his point was that casual gamers do provide lifeblood both in sales numbers and just, like, overall numbers. Like, there was 300,000 copies of Guilty Gear sold in the first week. He's arguing, and I don't know if this is necessarily true, but, I mean, I'm going to trust his word over... I'm going to trust this word... Uh, the majority of that 300,000 people He's a streamer and I are casual him. they're casual people people who are casually picking up the game who are going to play it for fun and because that did so well 10 years from now we're going to have another game because the success on the backs of the casual casuals so that's I'm giving I'm that that point I thought was important to make because he made it and I thought it was a good point that's fodder for your point of view, which I'm going to quickly take back. So don't get too used to that. But it's true because the casual game, the 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 people who bleed and blur that line, the mobile gamers who all of a sudden now want to try a hit of something stronger, and they go for a console or they go for a PC game, how they go for an actual game that sits down and actually tries to learn something they'll find solace in the casual gaming market and that now it may be like they sway the line because they'll get a little bit hard with one game but not with another yeah, but they are now entry point they're in the they're, ecosystem exactly and that is good not only for gaming uh developers and plat uh console creators for the industry but also for game developers themselves to be like, okay, this is what's selling, this is what does well, we can do something with this and make it better. And then that 
mobile game that maybe made its way over here now has a reason to become an actual game. Okay. I do agree with those points, but the the arguing, the, the, the point of contention is when all is said and done, is the overall effect, good and bad, of casual gamers, does it balance out? Is it more positive? Is it more negative? You're saying now, it's more positive. You have arguments as to why it's negative. I'll let you speak about your negativity, but I, I think my reasons outweigh the negative reasons. But go okay. ahead. I'm going to start with a little point that I just thought up, but our, our romantic romantic comedies are good for the movie industry right they're good yeah. they get you know they're typically some of the highest grossing everybody everybody goes I'm to sorry see i'm i'm taken back by the fact that your analogy is not food based i mean i can go fast food versus culinary but this is more this is a little closer um so romantic comedies are good for the movie industry they get more people in the theaters they get more people watching movies great but there could be an argument made that romantic comedies, although we're not the lion's share of the movie industry, are just as important. They're as... good for the movie industry, but I would argue that they're probably bad for cinema as an art form. Because think about <laughs> think about the rise the rise of these popcorn romantic comedies with shitty writing and little substance and compare that to the actual good movies that come out and then rewind the average quality the classics of the great what people consider the great achievements in cinema are fewer and farther between because there's a bunch of turds in the punch bowl there's all this stuff that's made to sell tickets and appeal to the lowest common denominator and push sales versus true substance and innovation and that oh. is what the, part of the point that i'm going to make about gaming you look at gaming as an overall thing and you see some of these triple a titles right ubisoft avengers right of the avengers game the dungeons and dragons game that just came out and absolutely bombed um call of duty all of them you look at you look at these games and the overall quality of games i'd like to point out that your dismissal of call of duty games as a whole is very equal to my dismissal of mobile games fair that's fine <laughs> i'll take that i i'm not arguing that um but i would say a lot of people who are lifelong gamers would agree that the overall average quality of games, especially AAA titles, big budget games from big producers, has they've degraded in quality and over time. And that might just be because there's more pressure on the industry, that there's not the ability to scale more budget into better games that 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 scaling gaming is still a young industry that they haven't quite figured out how to use their money wisely so they just make these big bloated half-baked games but could the real reason be that a lot of these games 
are being tailored specifically to casual gamers. And that casual gamers uh, building building your your I'm trying to think of another metaphor that's not food but I'm going to go there. Come with it. Building your restaurant around what's going to get most people to eat there is going to end you up with McDonald's. Is McDonald's even food? Kind of, I guess, but it's shitty food. It's objectively people who eat at McDonald's are like, "Yeah, it's terrible, but you know, it's so quick and cheap." So, there's a lot of McDonald's games out there, and I would I would say it's because devs are catering more towards casuals. Now, that's not so to say to define McDonald's games. We've got mobile games, then we've got McDonald's I'm, games. I'm not saying McDonald's games are a specific subset of games, but I'm saying the McDonaldization <laughs> of games. I don't know. Basically, making games because there's. So I'll use Guilty Gear as an example. Guilty Gear is a very hard to pick up game historically. Okay. Because it's like you need to, like Tekken. I just started playing Tekken for the first time, and my eyes, I'm like going cross-eyed because it's a hard game to pick up. It's fine. <laughs> now a lot of these, I'm going cross-eyed, but it's fine. Um, it's fine. Um, that's what you sign up for when you play Tekken. They induce blindness. <laughs> I'm having seizures in the corner, but it's okay. I'm enjoying it. When you when you take a game and you simplify it and make it easier. For people, you lower the skill floor, right? There's a skill floor and there's a skill ceiling. Skill ceiling is how good you can possibly get at the game. Skill floor is how competent you need to be at the game to even pick it up and be functionally playing it. If you look at, you know, games like Mario Party, there's basically no skill floor. A toddler can face roll and play Mario Party and in some cases win, uh, and the skill ceiling is not very high. Games like Rocket League... Games like Super Smash Brothers Melee, a lot of fighting games, a lot of competitive games, even, I hate to say it, but a lot of esports like Apex, like Valorant, like first-person shooters, have a relatively low skill floor, appeals to a lot of people, and a lot of people can play it. Doesn't You don't need a science degree to play, you know, pick up and play most of these games, but it's got a very, very high skill ceiling to allow you to grow and get sweaty in all kinds of wonderful ways. The problem is, with a lot of games, is this is what you want to do with games. This is the perfect, this is the skill floor. I'm sorry for people who are listening to this. The, the skill floor and the skill ceiling, if you can expand both, that's the perfect game. If you can make a game that anybody can pick up and have fun on a casual level, but you can also get really good at and it has depth and complexity and nuance and people can play it and constantly improve that's the perfect game unfortunately a lot of devs are doing this they're lowering the skill ceiling they're lowering the skill floor to make it more accessible uh-oh accessibility blah bad word alert they're lowering the skill floor for accessibility but at the same time they're lowering the skill ceiling. And that's not okay. Now, good devs, Guilty Gear, I would argue, they lowered the skill floor from previous Guilty Gear games because they took out a lot of needlessly complicating systems. Um, they lowered the skill floor, but they didn't really lower the skill ceiling. 
because you could still do crazy stuff in that game. Super Smash Brothers Melee had, you know, reasonably low skill floor, very high skill ceiling. Every entry in the series since Melee, they've lowered the skill floor, but they've also lowered the skill ceiling. And that is why I would argue for people who care about that skill ceiling and people who really want to play, the weight of casual games and designing for casual gamers is dragging down the quality to be more accessible and less long-term viable and, and have a high skill ceiling. I agree with you. I agree with you that the developers do not have the balls nor do they have the support to do what's right for their brand in raising the skill ceiling and instead taking the cheap and easier way out and lowering the skill floor. I hold that fault though on the developers for lacking the balls, not the casual gamers. That's a that's a super fair point. That is a super fair point. Because yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. It's not it's not casual gamers' faults that the game was made. It's not their fault. They're not accountable for that. Somebody yes. once told me there's a difference between responsibility and accountability. A chicken is yes. responsible for an egg, but a pig is accountable for the bacon. <laughs> Casual gamers aren't accountable for the state of the industry being designed for them. However, they are the underlying reason. It's yes. not their fault. They didn't do anything wrong. And that's, so that I agree to. But it's that. still there. There's still the underlying reason. Yes. So, to that point, there is no answer fixing that problem. You can't go out there and be like, have a literary set, literary test before you play the game. Like, no, nah, this game's not for you. Go to mobile. You can't. Yeah. No, you can't. It's just so that the the fault is on the fault of devs that do that and that's not a sweeping statement there's plenty of good game designers and game studios and oh, yeah. out there and they're not called EA <laughs> I'm just gonna stick that in there um, we talk about things that we should be clipping out of our episodes and put on stories or on Instagram clip it. Like, somebody clip this. it oh wait we're not live <laughs> we should be live. Game Kazuya is out for Smash right now, and we're sitting here talking about. Yeah, I mean by three minutes, but yes. Yeah. Um, but the so the so the overall so I've sort of made my point. Yep. So it's not necessarily the fault. Now the 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 big question is: we have to be honest with each other and with ourselves. Is the overall appeal of casual gamers providing an entry point providing greater diversity and getting more of the overall population of the human race into gaming does that benefit outweigh the drawback of the effect of the watering down to put it super super you know oversimplified I think it does but there's an asterisk Okay. I think I think it does for two reasons. One, it provides more dollars into the industry, which creates more flexibility to do more. I'm a free market kind of guy, and I agree with that. 
Two, it creates more gamers to have interaction with, raise our level and stature as a community, and provides us with more opinions and more creativity to expand the window of what could be created in the future. These coming to game gamers now may grow up to become game developers later and come up with newer things. So I think it's a great thing with the asterisk that it is still the game developer's responsibility to not fold under the pressure of the mobile market causing mobile it's not casual gamers the enemy it's mobile gamers that are the enemy yes the mobile market is because we go back to that's called scapegoating boys and girls (laughs) no no listen the mobile market is known for we go back to that synapse thing yeah no that is true that is a legit point that it's and predatory. every single game developer is out there like oh look what they're doing we could like uh, take a little bit of that flair to take another to dig another shot at ea i would say <gasps> ea's microtransactions surprise mechanics are equally as bad and equally as predatory as anything in the mobile gaming market which in all fairness they got that lawsuit well deserved yes get spanked ea um uh, so I, I've got I've got one other thing that I'd like to just kind of add. What are the drawbacks of casual gamers? Or, or uh, the drawbacks of hardcore gamers, right? So the hardcore gaming market, you've got the hardcore gaming market. We've talked about how casuals are drawing and watering down games. And therefore, the sweaties of the world are seeing that games are too easy now. Well, here, before we move on to this, would you say... The overall quality of games is better now or 10 years ago? So 10 years ago, there were games that were developed that have zero accessibility and you had to figure it out. You did not have the internet. You did not have gamer guides. And if you did, your mom had to drive you to GameStop to buy them. You call the Nintendo Game Help Hotline. So... You had to overcome those challenges. As a gamer, there was nobody there to teach it to you. You couldn't YouTube it. You had to figure it out or you had to give up. Well, 10 years ago, maybe you could YouTube it. Well, yeah. In general, yeah, yeah. Not the same thing. Old school Sega, old school Nintendo is what I'm referring to. So maybe we go 10, 15 years. Yeah, 20 years ago. But would you say that the overall quality was better then versus now? Quality, there is a lot of gamers out there who say that games back in the day, like we talked about the Lion King Sega game, or it wasn't Sega, it was for multiple platforms, but the Lion King game was the hardest game that was created in that year. And even the highest of pros had difficulty beating that game. Nowadays, you won't have those types of problems. Yeah, Nowadays, but no, I'm just talking about overall design and overall quality, not necessarily difficulty. I think that the art of the gaming industry has improved. Gaming 
and video games as a whole has became an art form. Has but became... I'm not. I'm not talking about. Obviously, there's been crazy innovations in games and new things, and they've done great things. I'm talking about the average, some some total of games. Was it better then, or is it better now? I don't count mobile games, so yes. Not not counting mobile games. <laughs> not counting mobile games. You're saying it was better then than than now. No, no, it's better now. It was better now. I think games are better now than what they were. So your favorite I, games, your favorite games of all time, if you were stuck on an island and could only bring five games with you, how many of those games would be from more than 10 years ago versus ones that have come out in the last decade? Banjo-Kazooie, Halo, Hitman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Slime Rancher. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and, uh... Probably Sonic. No Zelda on that list. Oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah, no. But so Zelda, most Zelda of, should be on that list. So, most, Sonic, Zelda. Most of those are from previous generations, right? Well, Hitman... Uh, Hitman's more than ten years old. Halo's more than those are all. Those are all considered retro now. You old man. Oh my god, you're right. So, so games. The oh, overall quality. Slime Ranch is the only one. So they're newer games. These games, Hitman and uh, Halo, are modern. They are current, but they were originally created ten years ago. Yes. If not more, so, so I would uh, I would say those your top favorite games are from previous generations, and I think that's an indication, whether you want to admit it or not, that games were better ten years ago in the past. And I would also argue that the reason is because over the last ten years there have been more casual gamers, therefore. Developers have started to design games more suited towards casual gamers. Therefore, the quality has gone down, making the overall impact of casual gamers more of a detriment than a boon to the gaming industry, which is what we're arguing about. The... Uh, I, yes, I think, I think you're right, and I'm going to support your claim with one one uh, ideology that from outside this industry and we talked about movies there are very few writers and directors who are creating new content who are creating new movies yes. most of these things are either sequels prequels a copy from a book remakes or a remake or it's like the Parent Trap, but done with skunks. Yeah, like, that doesn't count. <laughs> what? Wait, what? I want to watch that so bad. <laughs> parent Trap, but done with skunks? Yes. <laughs> but oh you, you, you see what I'm saying? It's... Yes. So, okay. So, so that's... Because of that, I think the gaming industry is, is falling to that, that trope, that trap. So I, I just wanted to make that point. I didn't want to let that point go before you were going with the drawbacks of... So, yes. Hardcore gamers. 
You 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 people counter, over here. The counter punch. The counter punch. I think that hardcore gamers, the ones who are whining about the casual gamers mudding the waters, are a getting upset with the mobile games really muddying the waters not the casual gamers muddying the waters but i understand the 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 ceiling being moved and therefore the the entry levels are uh, is a problem but i think that the hardcore gamers have also pushed the industry so much further that there's now a bigger gap so mm. mobile gamers are lowering the gap and hardcore gamers are raising the gap and i think that's where some of the issue is and then you can even take it a step further i actually think that the hardcore gamers or the professional streamers who are making games some of them are mostly streaming because they want something easy that's accessible for their viewers and they are promoting some of the trash games that, that you hardcore gamers are complaining about. I have to 100% agree, but I think we need to separate hardcore gamers from streamers. Because <laughs> cause although there is some crossover, there's different. There was, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my mouth shut on calling this saying this person because i like this person i like he's a funny content creator i think he makes good content but in the sea of overwhelmingly negative reviews when uh dungeons and dragons dark alliance came out he was the one person streaming it trying to make it seem salvageable because it was an ad because he was working with the developers and by all means you get that bag, unnamed streamer. I like your stuff. Please don't be mad at me. But I like that money. Was, do what you got to do, bro. If 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 game company comes up and pays us, I mean, we're not going to lie to you about a shitty game being good. But he was he was. Oh, we're playing. You know, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Hashtag ad this you know people have to be transparent with that these days this this copy was provided by so-and-so company i'm being paid compensated for all this stuff but my opinions are my own he was streaming it trying to make it seem good that is bad that's a bad practice it's one I thing think... to give a streamer an advanced copy because there's a lot of people who got advanced copies of DD who are like so i got this copy for free and i've been playing it for a week before anybody else and this game is absolute doo-doo butter butt cheeks like real bad like people don't people don't care if you give them a free copy anymore but the astroturfing of paying people to play it or stream it or talk about it that's a problem but beyond that point vocal minority streamers especially when it comes to games like i'll say overwatch because i'm not afraid to shit talk overwatch pros being like this is broken. This is broken. I don't know what streamers sound like that. But streamers having really, really polarizing opinions and then vocal, vocal streamers affecting development and balance and then the game is being balanced around the opinions of streamers, that is bad. That's a 
that's a bad, bad thing. That's poison in the they water. They will make the argument that Overwatch is probably the prime example of this, but there are many others that streamers and even esports are the reasons why games like Overwatch got tweaked and changed, and they are no longer the same game they were at release. And for the worst, hundred percent. So I think the and I I say hardcore gamers, but I agree with you. Maybe hardcore gamers isn't isn't the right term. It probably is more like the pro gamers or the streamers. Update your update your Smash Corp. Oh. We're going in. All right, we're all right, going doing... in. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I I do agree with you on that point. That although I think casual gamers are overall a more negative influence that they're not the only negative influence. Higher-end pro esports professionals and streamers are toxic as hell. Yeah. And I think that they are some of what's hurting the industry. And I think but, esports, esports industry is doing its own damage as well. Well, some esports industry more than the others. Like, you look at Overwatch I, League. I will... I, I There has been absolutely no... Uh, secret that I'm a Microsoft fanboy and that I love Halo. I probably love Halo as much as I love Legend of Zelda. Esports esports has gotten their claws so deep into the Halo multiplayer that they have gone so far. Halo 5 was, was the first, probably not the first, Halo 4 is probably the first, but Halo 5 was where they were vocal about it, where they made the online multiplayer, so it can be used as an esports. Well, platform. the ultimate litmus test is how the this is this actually this is a perfect example of the the what happens when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. So you have the influence of casual gaming, right? Casual gamers, accessibility, free to play games. We'll come back to that in a second, and. The influence of hardcore gamers, esports, and streamers. You have esports on the rise, needing to be super important. You also have the casual gamers, free to play, cross platform play, play with your friends, play all day and night for free, coming to a head, and that head is going to be Halo Infinite. Because the whole multiplayer experience is going to try and be the tipping point between those two things. And. Yes. If they can pull it off, it really is going to be worthy of its name, Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite is the first be. multiplayer game in this in the in the series line that is going to be free to play. They are literally separating multiplayer from the game itself, so it's free to play to everybody, making it that accessibility level for everybody. They are also taking away the pay to win uh, platform that like things like Overwatch and uh, Overwatch was not paid. Not not Overwatch. I'm sorry. Star uh, Star Wars Battlefront was doing. Yeah. But they then are also removing the trope of season pass being locked and paid for with only that window by They're removing doing a lot of that good things. They're doing a lot of good things, and I think you're right. I think Halo Infinite may be what changes the industry. But it's all going to come down to me, and I think to a lot of people microtransactions and and sort of the business structure of the game aside is the mechanics because that's going to be it's the same so, thing skill floor skill ceiling 
are they going to be able to balance the game, make it good enough for veterans of the series and esports people, but also incorporate mechanics that's going to make it a successful free-to-play game for more casual players it's going to be that's the that's the most difficult thing in the world thing to do yeah and two of their game directors have walked off the job during development and i don't want to rain on your parade but that ain't a good sign it's not a good sign but i think some of it is a testament to Microsoft has had no qualms about losing money and putting this game on delay so that they well, can fix after, those issues. After CD Projekt Red was publicly executed by by public opinion, uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Then. They had to. I, well, I don't think, I think they would have done it because they started their delay speech before CD Projekt Red got executed. But it makes but it a lot more reasonable for them to be like we're pushing back the game and everybody's like oh, washing after- the blood of cd project right off their hands they're like you take your time <laughs> you take your time microsoft. so so microsoft announced their delay and then the cd project led red incident happened like a month later and then microsoft's like we're gonna take even longer <laughs> and they were like okay so yeah halo halo infinite development that games that joke has been made before (laughs) anyway so that's that's our episode i still want to hear we've not come to a consensus even though i do think i sort of in a way got you to admit that the influence of casual gamers is more negative than it is positive with my with my if you were stuck on an island, which I never thought that metaphor would actually help me prove a point, a legitimate point. I I I agree with you that the the gaming industry is watered down to a point because of mobile gaming creating a landslide on accessibility. I don't think casual. I don't think you just want no, no, to make no, mobile gaming no. the root of all evil. They it's are. just such they an are. easy scapegoat. So, yes, casual if I'm being honest with myself, casual gamers who are very casual are enticed by the simplicity that mobile gaming provides and because of that developers are making their games more accessible in order to capture the casual gaming market market now we we talked about responsibility versus um uh, accountability the accountability. fault the fault is still on the devs the fault yes the fault is one i i the res- and same the, thing with the hardcore toxic streamers who whine and complain about balance they don't have access to the game files and, it's still on the devs at the end of the day cracking under pressure so why is that happening and a lot of that comes down to dollars they want to have access to more dollars so that's why they're opening up the accessibility window i have no problem with them lowering the skill floor for accessibility reasons but at the same time you should then raise the skill ceiling so that there is if your More. top five favorite games were from the last ten years, I would say that that's the case, but they're not. But with, for a twist, real talk, if you've made it to the end of this long, very combative episode, you deserve to know 
a nugget of truth is that as a believer in the free market that I do think casual gamers, casual guys, casual gamers are the reason that gaming is bigger than movies and music. Casual gamers are the reason why gaming culture is accepted into the wide stream of our culture. Balance and stuff aside is going to come and go with the seasons of devs and influences and all that. But the fact that games have gone from you're playing in your mother's basement to Drake playing Fortnite, which I've referenced a billion times, the rise of casual gamers has been the rise of video games into mainstream culture. And although yes. the devs are stumbling a little bit with balancing act of making it top quality and appealing to, you know, people who don't have any taste, um, that that is a growing pain, truthfully, I feel, in the industry. But overwhelmingly... Yep. And casual, quite frankly, it's up to you, the listener, to make your voice heard vote with to your the developers. Vote with yeah. both like, guys, <laughs> vote with your wallet for high-quality games. Don't don't pay checks to EA. Just don't do it. That's why they get honesty, away with that shit. In today's day and age, sometimes the wallet's not enough. Twitter works. Like, or start a podcast. Amplify your hot takes. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I think there's a little truth in both sides of the argument. Yeah. Truthfully, I can only play devil's advocate so much. I do think casual gamers have helped bring gaming into mainstream culture, and that in itself is a good thing at the end of the day. Yeah. What's our side? And we don't have time for a side quest. Our side quest I have, is... I have a side quest. Oh, I have a side quest. Jesus. Okay, give us the side quest. I have a side quest. All right. Are you, all right. Re are you ready? I don't, I don't know. After this whole episode, I'm not sure what I'm ready for. Corporal side quest. What's your favorite mobile game? Hmm... Mmm. Pokemon Go for like pure amount of time that I've spent in a mobile game that is culturally like Pokemon Go is the mobile game, right? Yeah. Hold on. I yeah, I, I agree. I might have to just open this for a second. Is Among, oh, see how many is Among, hours. Is Among Us a mobile game? I'm pretty sure it started as a mobile game. I don't know. I think it launched as Steam and then came out. Oh, did it launch as Steam? Um, okay. Flappy Fighter is so damn good. It's you can't Never. get it anymore. You can't get it anymore because I'm pretty sure Capcom went after them for for encroaching on some Street Fighter type stuff, which is absolute bull. But Flappy Fighter was an amazing mobile game. Amazing. The only legitimate fighter that ever graced a mobile platform. Um, yeah, no, it's Pokemon. It's Pokemon Go for me. I can't even, I can't even pretend like it's anything else. How about you? I am, I am looking at what I've got as far as games right now, and because I'm on a new phone, most of my games aren't here. But I still, it's a different like company every single time. But like, I think the one mobile game that I play the most of is Tetris and Solitaire. I play those games. Did you just call games. Tetris a mobile game? <laughs> the, you go you go this whole episode 
saying mobile games aren't gamers, blah, blah, blah. And then when we ask what your favorite mobile game is, you say the grandfather of all puzzle games. You indignant bastard. <laughs> What's your favorite mobile game, Tetris? That's oh, it's not the road. Tetris is. I, I, there's like six games that I or nine games that I have on here. Tetris, Pokemon Go, Solitaire, Sonic Dash, Among Us, Candy Crush. Never and got into Candy Crush. Played it for like fifteen uh, seconds. <laughs> Wordscape. Wordscape. Okay. Will you match the letters to make words? Oh yeah yeah yeah. All right. <clears throat> Everybody, that's our show. We're gonna go screen. We're gonna go somehow find the the gumption to stream Smash right right after this, which is gonna be obviously nothing to you because you're gonna be listening to this in the future. But um, yeah, check out our streams. We stream Tuesday nights, Friday nights, Sunday afternoons, uh, and it's fun. We do fun stuff. You should come by. You might make. We friends. need input on this episode. Seriously, there was a lot of conversation that was covered in this, and there's a lot of different opinions that were covered in this. I just want to we know what want, people think. Are mobile gamers really, real gamers, and are casual gamers overall a good thing or a bad thing for the gaming industry? Honestly, find us in the comments, find us on Instagram, find us on Twitter. I don't care. I really want, like, out of all the episodes we've ever had, we've asked for opinions. Like, I really want your opinion on this. So immediately go find the comment section wherever you're listening to this and give us your take. Yeah. If you and if you're listening to it on like Anchor or like Spotify, shout out Spotify listeners. Um and there's no comment section, uh Facebook. Just go to Facebook and shoot us a DM or Instagram and shoot us a DM because that's the most common ones. Or we have a group and you can just make your public post yeah. but yeah 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 i am curious to see because we've done a lot of like roundup games and talking about either specific games or like a list of like top 10 games to play on the toilet or whatever and then we also do games or episodes like this where it's more philosophical more theme oriented versus more game oriented and we're curious for the future planning of our episodes what type of content you guys prefer we try to balance it but we probably do less of these type episodes, um, but we want to know which one you guys like more so we can make more of them. So, do that. Do it! Thanks for tuning in. This has been a fun, fun episode. Peace out, everybody. See you next time.